two, three. Welcome to Highest Potential with Dr. Steve Pettit, a podcast that explores the many ways Bob Jones University is advancing God's kingdom through Christian education with the biblical worldview. I'm Daniel Lehman, a current student at BJU and co-host for this podcast. Well, this week at Bob Jones University, we had a theme that was centered on standards and convictions, and uh, we had as one of our speakers, Dr. Dave Dorn. And so I asked Dave to come over to my office along with Dr. Alan Benson and talk about seminary training and why it's so important. And Daniel, you're here with us today, and tell us about your where you are in your life. What's God called you to do, and and what are you thinking about your your continuing education? Yeah, so obviously I'm in my last year at Bob Jones University, uh, senior ministry and leadership major. So I really want to go on to be a pastor, something the Lord's really laid on my heart to do. And so I'm kind of at the point where it's like, hmm, I just finished, uh, I'm finishing up here, as long as I don't fail any classes. <laughs> and um, I'm thinking, okay, what's the next step? What's God want me to do? I had a phenomenal time doing a pastoral internship, but one of the things I've learned throughout my time here at the university is I know nothing. And so getting more education seems like such a valuable commodity to have. And so seminary has definitely been on my mind. Obviously, Bob Jones Seminary is a phenomenal, phenomenal seminary. I actually was able to investigate it a little bit more this week. That's in preview days. That was very enlightening. But leaning towards seminary is definitely something I think would be very wise before I go out into a pastorate position. Well, nobody, nobody that I know knows seminary any better than, than Dr. Dave Dorn. He is the uh, president of Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary, and he pastors the Inner City Baptist Church. So we, we asked him some very important questions about the importance and the value of seminary. So let's listen uh, to this conversation we had with Dave today. Well, welcome today to our podcast, Highest Potential, and today we're going to be talking about the importance of seminary training, and we have uh, two individuals here that I'm excited to hear from them. First of all, we have our own Dr. Alan Benson, who is a vice president here, executive vice president at Bob Jones University for student development and also ministerial uh, training here and in leading in the seminary. Alan, thanks for being with us. Great to be here, Doc. Thanks for having me. And we're delighted also to have with us Dr. Dave Dorn, who is the president of the Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary and pastor of Inner City Baptist Church, who spoke in chapel, and we greatly appreciated his message. And so, Dave, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Good to be here. Appreciate both of you. Both of you are in pretty significant roles of, of training the next generation of, of pastors in, uh, through seminary training. So... Uh, Dave, let me start with you, and uh, let's just talk about seminary. Probably, basically, what is seminary? We don't want to make any assumptions, and then maybe just share why, from your viewpoint, why this is training is so important today. Right. Well, traditionally, seminary was the first ministerial training following your undergraduate degrees. So way, way back, that's why it was called a Bachelor of Divinity, because it was the first divinity degree. And now, with all the change of nomenclature, we have Master of Divinity, but it's not really uh, intended to be uh, require like a pre-ministerial training. So, so seminary exists can stand on whatever your degree was in. You can come in and receive the training. 
and traditionally was framed as the first professional degree for pastoral work. Right? So you were you were actually getting your ministerial training uh, to be a pastor in that kind of a context. And historically, was it always three years, four years, or in the training period? Well, um, mainly three. I mean, there were right. some seminaries that did four years. You know, so you actually did four years and got a THM. Okay. Like Dallas Seminary was always that way. Right. Uh, but historically, it would have been more like a 96-hour, three-year full-time uh, degree in which you received your Master of Divinity or Bachelor of Divinity. Okay, great. So so obviously you and, and Alan are both working. We all were working in training the next generation. So why seminary? What uh, what what about why would that be in, important? In maybe I would contrast that to just undergraduate, right? Training. So I I was undergraduate Bible with a Greek minor, and then went did my MDiv and THM, and I I felt uh, for myself if I look at it that way uh, that the time in life when you're taking the training, you're your post undergrad. Uh, I think it's just like all education you're building on it, but there's a receptivity for it. You're you're working with uh, what ought to be more mature men mm-hmm. in the first phases, usually of their married life and ministerial life, um, and you're taking things to a deeper level, right? So um, so undergrad, I think I had six hours of doctrine. Right, so mm-hmm. seminary it was twelve hours of systematic theology. I see. Yeah. Right, so someone <coughs> someone didn't have to have that to go into it. Right, but you're you're essentially uh, driving, I think, uh, much deeper stakes in the ground, and uh, and because you have the depth of training, I think they're actually getting better facility at exegesis, mm-hmm. uh, tying their theological. Uh, positions together, and and usually at that point, very specifically for uh, a type of ministry, right? So the work you've done, you've been at at Inner City now thirty two years. Is that correct? Yeah, almost thirty three. Almost thirty three. So, and the time you've been, the seminary's been there the entire time. Started by Doctor William Rice. Yes. Yep. And the seminary is how old today? Nineteen seventy six was founded. Nineteen seventy six. So. Uh, in that time, how many how many men for ministry have been trained, or do you have an idea? Uh, north of three hundred, I believe. North of three hundred, and so a lot of churches. Right. Yes. Yeah. A lot of churches. Church plants, and we've got folks on the mission field, uh, pretty much around the world. And then now in the Metro Detroit area, uh, a large number of the uh, of the churches are pastored by DVTS grants. Wow. And they've been very solid. Yes, yeah, I think we've got a, gr- a really good, a good crew of men committed to sound doctrine, uh, very conservative ministries seeking to reach reach our community for Christ. So, in in building a seminary, and I, you you men are <clears throat> living in that world. There's a lot of seminaries, right. a lot a lot of different emphasis and. Uh, so I'm going to start here on this one with you, Alan, and talk a little bit about the BJU Seminary, because uh, I know uh, Detroit is a is a sister institution, so we have a lot of the uh, same, obviously, values and so forth. Um, 
What, what, from your perspective with our men, and actually we have women in, involved in the seminary, what, what do you see as the, um, what, what is it that makes this training effective so that they would go out, and why is this so important? You've been trained in seminaries, and in fact, is you've gone to how many seminaries? Five. You've only gone, only five. None, so, none of them would keep me. None of them would keep you. <laughs> we, kept, we, kept, we kept pushing. Including them. Detroit. You went to we, Detroit, correct? We kept pushing them out. Yes. <laughs> I did 48 hours of an MDiv at Detroit while I was there in the area and very, very thankful for the classes that I got to take there. So, yes, very much a sister school. Um, I, I actually will tie what you asked into what Dr. Dorm was saying earlier. Um, the, the training... I think is coming at a very key time. So Paul says to, to Timothy, lay hands quickly on no man. And so there's something there about age, maturity, preparation, equipping. When you take that and overlay it, say from days when we were doing an undergrad degree and a guy would come out and jump into being a youth pastor or something like that, um, I, I actually look at what we're dealing with, with what has happened demographically even in our country today and I'm not as comfortable with a guy even coming out of an undergrad degree being equipped to be a youth pastor without getting engaged in further training. Part of that is demographically, just not that I put a, a lot of stock in psychology, but they've actually changed the ratio of, of when people are adults. So you're an emerging adult today from 18 to 28. They call the, the years we see as university years 18 to 21 as incubator years. Those are years of internalization. Well, if that really is true, you've now actually just gotten prepared to be a learner. When I look at other disciplines, for example, you do an undergrad degree in pre-med, and now you're prepared with the maturity and a foundation to now prepare for medicine. And there's a sense in which theologically, I, I think some of what Dave was saying, that, that's what we're seeing. There's a difference when you come to these seminary years both in your own preparedness to learn as well as in your maturity to handle what you're learning to put in practice in the ministry. And so when I look at seminary equipping, I think we start with higher expectations. I think there's a higher expectation for the, the level of equipping that we're going to ask of the students. There's a higher expectation of the level of discipline that, that it's going to take to get that. For example, everybody knows, like if you survive med school, you're now equipped to be a doctor because you survived. There's a sense in which we don't want to be unrealistic in seminary training, but we're preparing for war, and, and we're preparing for people to actually do the most important work in all the world, make disciples of Jesus Christ, and the only way that happens is if they skillfully handle the Word of God, and that's really what we're trying to equip for in, in seminary, and so it frames the type of academics that, that we're trying to, to bring about. So when you, when you watch your guys go out in, uh, in, in the pastoral ministry. Do most of them go out as an assistant right away or pastoral pastoral, or kind of a, as full, full senior pastors? What's, what's a... Yeah, I, I'm not sure I could give you stats. I mean, so, so we have a number of them that head to the mission field, so they're heading out that way, um, or they're a church planter, so in those cases they're in a, a lead position or a part of a, uh, a cross-cultural team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a number of guys who take positions as assistant pastors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually end up having a number of assistant you know, guys who are doing some kind of ministry while they come to seminary too. So, so you know, when they're finishing seminary, they're actually sort of ready to take a, the next step. 
And one of the questions I always ask is, you know, when you when you look at your graduates, um, they're going to have certain characteristics to them as they pastor their churches, and those churches will take on the characteristics of the leadership. I mean, that's just basic a rule of thumb. Sort of scary. Yeah, exactly. Um, what what? How would you characterize? And I'd like Alan you to you to speak into this. And the reason I'm asking this question is because. There's a great need of, for pastors today. I mean, I think we all know that. There's, and Alan, I'd like you to speak to that. But what are the characteristics of the men that are coming out as they're pastoring your church? I realize they all have their own personalities right. and so forth, but they probably have some distinguishing qualities. Right. So, I mean, I th- so we we are pretty clear that we want to actually produce pastor theologians. Right, uh, Titus says the qualification of pastors be able to hold fast the faithful doctrine and to be able to refute those who contradict. So, so it's always been a core value of ours that we're equipping men to be faithful expositors of the word, able to teach what it says and also refute those who are contradicting, as well as then equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So. So exposition and sound theology have always been really high in ours. Um, so I would think that that's probably the characteristic that's chiefly represented, that um, guys would, would be that. We've, we've emphasized a lot missions, so you know we always have a, a subset of guys who are thinking unreached peoples, uh, mission you know, a mission area. So like just even this fall, we've got three guys that we're, our church is going to be helping partner with take the gospel into places where it's not being preached. So that's, so that wing of it, I think would be very important in ours and, and trying to reproduce that. Obviously worship styles is a, is is a big, big deal today. What, what do you see from the men coming out of Detroit from that perspective? Um, so I would think uh, what I would say is um, some of that comes to down to the church where they are, right? So our guys are all, you know, I mean, which I'm sure is the case here, but because uh, because of where we are, it's uh, very important that they're in a local church, and generally uh, they've either come from that church. Right, or when they move to Detroit, they join that church, and that tends to be where they're comfortable, mm-hmm. right? And so that's the that's um, that lines up with their ministry, right? And we're not really doing anything to, you know, to have a, a dis- I guess I'd say sort of a distinctive like we're other than you know I we'd probably be like. More regulative principle, pretty right. conservative right. on the worship. Um, I don't think what I would say is they would probably be trying to make appropriate applications of conservative worship right. in our day. Right? right. So I would teach them. Right. Our worship songs. Uh, you know, they they need to be accurate theologically, biblically. Right. They need to be appropriate. For the worship of the true and living God mm-hmm. by His distinctive people, mm-hmm. and they need to be accessible to the worshipers because mm-hmm. it's not a performance; it's actually the worship of the congregation. Right. So that would mean it needs to be uh, within the culture mm-hmm. in which they live, uh, but the 
the highest and best of that, right? right. The, the true, right. the good, and the beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't, I mean, we certainly wouldn't be like, a, you know, you just need to sing the old songs. We should be singing the best, you know, that we're honoring God right. with accurate songs that are appropriate <laughs> for the worship of the true and living God. Very good. Alan, tell us about your, your, especially, I mean, our burden here, we have at the, at the uh, seminary and then, of course, the vision for the need of pastors. So, so much of what, what David said resonates with the type of training that we're pursuing here. Um, really, there are three things that we focus on in seminary training, and they are to proclaim the word, to serve the church, and to advance the gospel. Um, we've just worked through this past year a new strategic plan in light of those three considerations, and really we honed in on the fact that right now we need to focus on serving the church. How, how can we best serve the church with a belief that we have a key role in coming alongside the church and preparing uh, those that would serve in the role as, as pastor or, or minister? But ultimately, churches ordain their pastors. Seminaries don't. So how do we serve the church? And one of the things that we saw as we began to, to investigate the best way to do that was that some of it being time, some of it being generational, that, that the church is facing a great need in its pulpit ministry, um, that there are more pastors today over 70 than under 40, and then you interject a crisis like the pandemic, and it actually, I think, has exacerbated that problem with more people quitting or uh, people giving up or, or looking for a life change or I could do something else and not do this. You just add all of that in and and there is, and then I think there is going to continue to be uh, a problem of empty pulpits. I think we're also seeing in certain quarters churches shrinking. And so you have a pastor leave and the church is left in a place now, they're going to have to find somebody bivocational. And where do they go and who do they get? And is somebody equipped to do that? And so we really have committed to saying we need to focus intentionally on um, raising up pastors to serve the church. And so when we look at those three things that, that are, are the, the composite parts of our training here, um, much of what Dave said on, on focus on proclaiming the word for us, that is exposition. And so the tools to be able to handle the word that way, um, approaching it hermeneutically and then obviously in presentation homiletically, but, but understanding uh, the languages so that, that I, can, I can exegete the scripture effectively and, and bring, particularly in today's culture, clearly the authority of the Scripture to address issues. What we have to do is expose what the Scriptures are saying rather than preaching about the Bible, actually preach the Bible. And so proclaiming the Word is at the heart and soul of, of how we pursue training. But then that second piece is, is raising up those who will go with a mindset that I'm going to serve the church. I'm not a kingdom builder. Um, I, I'm, I'm not something, you know, above the normal Christian and, and just below the Godhead, that I'm going to be a servant in the church, and that we're, we're actually then looking for men in that environment who will go with a mindset that said, I am here to advance the gospel. And, and I think there, there needs to be that, that push to say, yes, be equipped as a great pastor, but go with a mindset to build a great church. And so, so some equipping... Um, uh, Dr. Dorn mentioned uh, one of the classes that he is, is teaching is on philosophy, ministry, and pastoral leadership. I took that class with him. And I can't tell you as a young guy how much that framed the why for me. Okay, that's what I'm going to do, mm -hmm. a doxological purpose. Mm -hmm. 
And, and that ought to drive us to have men that are coming out saying, I am going to go build a church, God helping me, but have the drive to do that, not go maintain or, or, or uh, you know, say, well, I don't know what we do in a world like this today, but a drive to say, I, I need to be involved in actually building a great church for God's glory. Mm -hmm. And so those three factors are driving us in this new strategic plan about raising up those kind of pastors to serve the church. Well, if you are interested in, in the Bob Jones University Seminary, is you can check it out online, seminary.bju.edu. And uh, we have degrees. Give us uh, some of the degrees that we have, Alan, would you? We run all the way from MAs all the way through PhD. And so we have MAs in, in counseling. You mentioned ladies being in our seminary. Those are the kind of tracks they would be in, uh, a Master of Arts in Biblical Studies uh, our primary degree is our Master of Divinity degree. It's a 90-hour degree for us. It's our largest program. But then above that, we also have um, Doctorate of Ministry programs as well as PhD programs. And then both the MDiv and the DMINs now have emphasis in things like chaplaincy or counseling, mm -hmm. um, that, that sort of thing. But, but we offer a, a variety of degrees. And it's all available at. online as well. Yeah, everything as of this year that we offer actually is available live streams. In addition to that, we have asynchronous options, meaning online, which means you don't have to tune in at the time the class is happening. You can take it online at, at another time. Not everything is offered that way, um, but everything is offered live stream. Okay. And if you are interested in uh, Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary, you can check it out online at dbts.edu. And so, uh, Dave, I'm going to let you wrap it up. Uh, just maybe share your vision. I know you, you've always had a passion for uh, pastors that, and, and what you're doing there. And I, uh, I'm so thankful because uh, I know when you shared philosophy of worship and preaching and so forth, uh, that is in alignment with exactly where we are, even on music and worship. Uh, it, it's so, to me, it's so clear of the kind of work that we should be doing. So uh, wrap us up today, if you don't mind, of just kind of sharing your vision and burden as right. you are in the years of your life there serving. Yeah. I mean, I think in, in many ways, um, the cultural tides that are shifting make uh, a solid seminary training more important, mm -hmm. right? Because we're, um, you know, if if you look at it as sort of like a post-Christendom mm -hmm. culture, that means the uh, the way we do evangelism, the way we help our uh, church members defend their faith, hold fast to it, um, we're we're really going to have to drive deeper and deeper, mm -hmm. right? We're uh, we're meeting people whose assumptions have shifted, and and we have to be prepared uh, to do the thing that we always should be doing, right? Which is we don't actually accommodate the culture. We have to preach the scriptures, the message of the cross, because that is the only thing that will bring life. But what we have to do is make certain that um, probably the era of programmatic effectiveness, mm -hmm. right? Reaching people because people come to church and you can run programs and do events and all that. 
that I think I think in many, particularly in urban suburban areas, uh, that that's you know we're really actually needing to do where we probably should have always been. The early church certainly was that they were reaching people in their connections, mm-hmm. right? The gospel was spreading through those relationships, which mm-hmm. means we have to get more intense and more serious about the training of people in that way. Mm-hmm. And the effect that I think that has on the seminary is is that we have to make certain a guy's not pursuing ministry thinking it's just fill up my notebook mm-hmm. and then go stand in the pulpit and unload my notebook to a congregation. Right, right. Right, that, that we, we've got to really come to grips with what it means to shepherd and, and to engage at the level that it's going to require for us. Because I don't think we should be pessimistic. I mean, it's, I mean the world's going crazy, but it was pretty crazy in the first century, yeah. too. Right? It's a great day to be the right. light when it's so dark. Right. So, so I think it, we just have to be more deeply committed to a sound theology of ministry, uh, deeply committed, uh, trusting the Word to accomplish mm. its purpose, and you trust the Word by preaching it. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you, you preach it and let it work, because it's living and active. Amen. And so I think, I think, and I think there's a great bunch of guys that want that. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think there's yeah. young men who are hungry for a faithful ministry. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they, um, you know, I think, I, I think it's a mistake for older guys like us. And there's some out there that basically are looking at potentially a younger generation and thinking that they don't want a faithful ministry because they're, they're actually not wanting to carbon copy. Right what that generation had done. Right, right. But they want to be faithful in their generation. Absolutely. And we need to equip them to be faithful in their generation. Absolutely. And 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 uh, I think they're there. I think God's raising them up. Um, it's exciting. Well, thanks, Dave. That's that's very encouraging. I, I know that uh, that's what we want to do here, and we're always thrilled when we have uh, students from here go to go to Detroit and serve there because I know they're going to get a great, not just a great education, but they're going to get the training for solid ministry. Right. And they're going to go out and, and be a, a solid, sound, faithful yeah. preacher. It's been a long time connecting them. My, my predecessor, who pastored our church for 40 years, was a Bob Jones College grad. Wow. When it was in Cleveland, Tennessee. Wow. And obviously I got my undergrad here. Yeah. So there's, there's in, in that sense, for almost 73 years, our church has has been blessed by the impact that Bob Jones had on us. Well, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Good to be here. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Highest Potential with Dr. Steve Pettit. Don't forget to find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.